I want to tell you the story of my first kiss. Can I do that? Can I tell you the story about my first kiss? Okay, that did not sound convincing at all. I need some encouragement. Like, do you guys want me to tell you the story about my first kiss? Okay. All right, I'll do it now. All right, you, you twisted my arm. All right, I'll tell you. Uh, so, so I was in high school. I was a senior in high school. I hadn't kissed anybody yet. And I was dating this girl. And, and I had this date planned out. It was a crazy date. I had all these different surprises and plans. And I was thinking going into it like, this is going to be my night. I'm going to get that kiss, right? I just knew it. I knew it. It was the kind of date where I literally got up super early in the morning and I, when I drove to the hike that we were, I was going to take her on and I did the hike and I brought picnic stuff and I laid it out there and then I hiked all the way back and then drove all the way back to pick her up so that when we did the hike again with her that we would just happen upon this meadow, you know, with like Bambi and butterflies and there was going to be this be this a picnic and it was going to be amazing and so you know we did that and I just had surprise after surprise after surprise but by the end of the the, the date the day I kind of realized I was picking up the vibe that I kind of had I was a little bit too overboard you know what I mean like ladies you know what I mean like a little bit too much maybe and I was like not feeling the vibe at all and she you know she was kind of on the other side of the couch kind of like this that's not a good sign you know um so I was like, and I still had like three more things planned at this point. And I'm thinking like, abort, abort, no, don't do it. So I, so I said, hey, like, uh, do you want me to take you home? And she was like, yeah, I would want you to take me home. So we're driving in the car, driving home, driving her home. And I turn on the radio and our song comes on the radio. Okay. And this was not planned. This was just our song came on. Have I told you lately that I love you? You guys remember that one? Um, and that song comes on the radio, and, I'm, and, and uh, I just realize, like, oh, game on. Like, game on. I look at her, and she, like, looks at me, you know. And I swear, I, like, and I started hearing, like, the dust mites in the car start singing, you know, there you see her sitting there across the way. Because she don't got a lot to say, but there's something about her. She won't say a word, not a single word. Go on it. Thank you. Come on, guys. I need you. I need you on board. And so I get to the house, and I realize I don't have a plan for this part. I've never done this before. Do I ask first? Do I just go in for the kiss? I'm not sure. And so, and, but, every, but she's got like one foot out the door. She's about to get out, and, and I'm screaming on the inside like, do it, Brooks. Don't chicken out. And she's like, bye. And I'm, I say, bye. And she gets out, closes the door, walks into her house. Oh, I missed my chance. And so I put the car in reverse, and I drive out, and I, and I start driving down the street, and I adjust the rearview mirror, and I happen just to see the light come on in her bedroom. And when I see the light come on in her bedroom, a light came on in my heart. <laughs> and I was like, no. No! I am going to get that kiss. And I put, put on the brake, and I put in reverse. I turn around, and I drive right back up into her driveway. She sees the light outside. She comes out. I get out of my car. We meet in the headlights right in the front of her car in her driveway, right in front of her garage. And I look at her, and I say, I couldn't leave tonight without asking, can I kiss you? And she says, I've been meaning to talk to you about that. Which isn't what you want to hear in that moment. 
I had so much adrenaline just like in me that, and when I heard that, it just, all the adrenaline out of my body to the point where I, like my legs started shaking. I couldn't even stand up. So I remember I sat on the bumper of my car and, you know, the the natural response, because, you know, she said, I've been meaning to talk to you about that. And the natural follow-up question to that was what I asked her next, which was, I was like, "Um, do you want to talk about that now or later? And she says, see, that makes sense, right? That's a good question. And she says, later. So, you know, I try to play it off like, oh, yeah, that's cool. No worries. All right. You know, woo, peace out. See you later. And I get back in the car. I drive away, and I'm just crying, just crying in the car. And then I go to my, to my friend Josh Berg's house because they knew that they were, I was having this date. And I come in, and they put down the N64 007 GoldenEye game that they were playing. And they were like, they were like hey, how did, how did it go? And I told them the story. And Josh was like, no. And so we went to her house and TP'd her house. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And then I married her just a couple years later. So... There you go. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, okay. Um, that was the story of my first attempted kiss. Right? I, I got my first kiss later. Um, praise Jesus. But um, um, really what it came down to in that moment, it was a confusing moment because it was communication issues, right? Uh, communication. I'm like, what is she saying? I have no idea what she's saying. Now or later. Uh, communication is a really big deal in every one of our relationships. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. I want to talk to you about communication. Um, we're in this sermon series called Keep It Weird. And the idea is, the idea is that, Christians, that, that Christianity is a little weird. But weird in a good way. Weird in a good way. And what God invites us to as following Jesus is to live a life that's, that's in, in many ways different than the world around us. And God is inviting us to sort of lead the wide path where a lot of people are living their lives in different ways. And, and go to the narrow path. Not so that we can look down our noses at people who are, who are on the wide path. But so we can just live our lives in a way that would be really honoring to the Lord based off of what, how he says we are and how he says the world works. And the rest of the world might look at some of that and say that's weird. But Christians have been known from the very beginning to see things in the world very differently than the rest of the world. Christians have always viewed money differently than the rest of the world. Other people look at Christians and what they do with their money and they're like, what do you do? How can you do that with your money? And Christians have viewed a lot of different things like that. And one of those things is relationships. When it comes to marriage, when it comes to singleness, when it comes to dating, when it comes to relationship stuff. And so we've just been, we're spending a couple weeks here just talking about how do we keep those sort of Christian relationships, how do we keep them strange? How do we keep them weird in a good sort of a way? And what we said from the very beginning is weird a lot of times is harder, but it's better. It's harder, more work, but it's better, but it's better. So I want to talk about communication. In particular, I want to talk about conflict. I want to talk about conflict. Um, because, because, isn't this true? Conflict is an essential part of good communication. It is. Conflict is an, is an essential, important part of good communication. Every once in a while when I'm doing premarital counseling with people before they get married, one of the questions I ask is, tell me about some of your conflict. Tell me about some of your, your arguments. And every once in a while I'll hear, I'll hear, oh my gosh, we never fight ever. 
We never fight. We just have never had a fight. And he's like, yeah, you know, just we've never really had conflict. And whenever I hear that, I'm always like, warning, 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 warning. No, because that means that somebody's not talking. That means somebody's holding it in and not sharing, you know, and somebody doesn't feel free to kind of be themselves. Because in a real relationship, um, there's going to be there's going to be conflict. Okay, Uh, conflict is good. But we tend to do some other things with conflict. We tend to be on either side of the spectrum. First, we tend to avoid conflict at all costs. And so maybe that was your home growing up. Maybe your home is just like no conflict at all. Just run away from it, you know. And just for you, maybe just now you're in this season of your life and conflict is just really difficult. And so you, uh, so there's silence in your house a lot. You know, you've got all these emotions and feelings. You stuff them down. It explodes every once in a while. But you do a good job of kind of holding those in. That's not good. That's not good. And then the other side of the spectrum is this, is everything is a conflict. So either you're running from it or you're running towards it. And maybe you're in a relationship or you've had friendships where there's just, it's constant conflict. And there's just always, always arguments. And that's not good either. That's not good either. What I want you to understand about conflict this morning is this. Is that healthy conflict, healthy conflict leads to deeper intimacy. Healthy conflict. Conflict is good. If we can have healthy conflict, it'll lead to deeper intimacy. And that's what we want. Unfortunately... A lot of us learned unhealthy conflict. A lot of us grew up in homes where it was either avoiding conflict or it was always conflict. And so we just learned how to do conflict in those environments. And so now we just, we just don't know how to do it. And here's the thing about unhealthy conflict. Unhealthy conflict breaks intimacy. So the challenge, the challenge, and sort of just where I want to lead you this morning is how do we have, how do we have healthy conflict? What does that look like? So some of the stuff I might share with you this morning is not new at all. You're experts. Like you should be up here teaching us all how to handle and deal with conflict because you're so good at it. And for for some of us though, and some of this might be brand new. But can you think about what if we were to do this well? What if we were to do this right? What if we were to able to have relationships, whether you're married, whether you're dating or engaged, or whether you're single and you've got friendships and maybe there's a spouse in the future for you, maybe, maybe not, I don't know, but whatever in the season of life that you're in, what if we were, as Christ followers, what if we, we were able to handle conflict just differently, that people would see the way that we handle conflict and they would say, what is the deal with that? That is, that is weird. That is strange. That is different. I've never seen people deal with conflict like that before. Uh, so that's what I, what I want to talk to you about. Um, but isn't it true, though, that, uh, you know, unhealthy conflict, it really does erode intimacy. In fact, you can think of some of your favorite breakup songs, and they, have, they always have to do with communication issues. Some of the best breakup songs out there have to do with communication issues. For example, we don't even talk anymore. Boys to men. You guys know that, right? <laughs> we don't even know what we argue about. We don't even say I love you no more. Because saying how we feel is no longer allowed. You guys remember that one? Yeah. Uh, what about this one? Because um, we are never, ever, ever. Getting back together. Listen to this part. Because um, you go talk to your friends, talk to my friends, talk to me. Communication issues right there, right? That's bad news. Uh, what about, um, never mind, I'll find someone like you. 
You guys know that one? I wish nothing but the best for you too. Don't forget me, I beg. I'll remember what you said. See, communication right there. I remember what you said. Sometimes it lasts in love, but sometimes it hurts instead. It's not just the R&B sort of genre. It's also the, uh, it transcends genres. You know this one? Blame it all on my roots. I showed up in boots. Ruined your black tie affair. The last one to know. See, that's communication issues right there. The last one to show I was the last one you thought you'd see there. Come on, here we go. No, I'm just kidding. We're, we're done. <laughs> I know you could sing that song, though. We could sing it all together. Uh, what would happen if we were to do this right? Um, I'm going to take you to a passage of Scripture in the book of James. And I'm just going to read you two verses from the book of James. And what James has to say about communication and conflict, so, so, so helpful. He's going to say three things. Three things. He's going to say, he's going to tell us about the real problem, the real prize, and the real source. The real problem, the real prize, and the real source. Here's what they are. First, the real problem. Um, James is writing to a group of people like us. And some context about James. James is the brother of Jesus. James is Jesus' brother. And James is utterly convinced that Jesus is God. That Jesus is king of the universe. Do you th I think it would be difficult for you to try to convince somebody, uh, like your, your, uh, one of your siblings, that you are God. Think that would be difficult at all? Um, they wouldn't buy it for a second, right? Because guess what? They know you. They saw you set fire to the barn in third grade, you know? Like they saw all that stuff. They know you. And so you cannot convince, you can convince somebody that doesn't know you maybe. But convincing somebody that knows you, that's just impossible. And here's Jesus' brother saying, yep, I was with him. I've been there the whole time. Yes, Jesus, my brother. And here's what he has to say. He's talking to a group of people like us, and it's pretty incredible. Here's the, the real problem. He starts out like this. He says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? To which we would say, easy, him, her. What causes quarrels and fights? Oh, easy. It's them. It's my boss. It's those Republicans. It's those Democrats. It's these people. It's those people. Why, why, what's, what's the deal with all this stuff in the world? Man, if they would just blank, I'd be fine. Why do we have quarrels and fights? Well, it's because she's, she just does this thing. And if she would just stop do that thing, then we would be fine. We would be okay. And we tend to think, we tend to think that the quarrels and the fights, the reason why we have them is because, you know, that other person, if they would just change, you know, but James isn't going to let us get away with any of that. Here's what he says. Listen to this. It's brilliant. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that are battle within you? James says, listen, it's easy for us to look and point the finger and, you know, blame them, blame them. But James says, come on, come on, come on, come on. Let's just be honest just for a second, James would say. Listen, isn't it true that somewhere in there, when in every, sort of, every one of our conflicts, we're frustrated, we're upset. Why? Because I'm just not getting my way, and I'm upset about it. I'm just angry about it. Now, there's, James isn't trying to be too simplistic. There's more to the story. Every, you know, it takes two to tango. Everybody, everybody's got a part to play in, in conflict. You know, there's always. But James is like, hey, 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 before we get to any of that, before we even go there, 
isn't it true that you've got these sort of desires that you want something from somebody else? That you, you've got these, these feelings and desires and this other person is sort of like standing in your way to getting that thing that you want? And isn't it true that part of the reason why you're so angry and frustrated is because you're just upset that you're not getting your way, that you've got these desires and they're spilling out on other people? Isn't that true, James would say? And we would say, oh, okay, kind of, fine, kind of. I get your point, James. See, it's easy to see it in little kids. When my, when my boys are constantly fighting at my house, and they're usually fighting over some sort of Nerf instrument of mass destruction, and they're, and they're just arguing, and like, I had it first. No, I had it first. Well, I saw it first. You know, it was mine. And then they're just like you know, angry and frustrated. And, you know, you try to wade into all that. And you, as a parent, you know that it has really nothing to do with the actual Nerf thing. It's not, even, it's not even the Nerf thing. It's just that they're frustrated. They thought they deserved something. They thought that they were owed something. They, 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 you know, and they're frustrated that they're not getting it. And then it just gets, then it gets bigger and it blows up and it blows up and it blows up. And what James is saying is that you and I are no different. That in every one of our conflicts, there's this sort of desires in us. And they're sort of battling and they spill out onto other people. And he's saying, what if, what if we just acknowledge, first of all, that there are these battles, there's this battle, this thing in us that's going on. And then James goes on and he even gets deeper with us. Listen to what he says. He says, what causes fights and quarrel among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? <laughs> Listen to this. He says, you desire but do not have, so you kill. He says, man, this is, this, this is big. I mean, this, we look around and we see killing. We'll kill relationships because we have these big desires and we want the thing that we want. And we'll, you know, our relationships will get killed. We'll burn, other, we'll, we'll burn stuff. We'll hurt things. We'll hurt people to get the things that we want. But then listen to what he says. He says, you covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you fight and you quarrel. James is saying, listen, not only do you have these battle of desires within you, but don't you know, don't you see that you can't even get what you want, what you really want? That what he's trying to help us see is he's trying to help us see that the real prize is not what we often think it is. What we often think is the prize when we have conflict is we want to win. We want to win the argument. Because when we read this and we say, wait, James, you say that we can't get what we want? Well, that's not true. I always get what I want. I always win the argument. James, I get what I want. That boat I wanted to buy? Yeah, we argued about that. And guess what? It's parked out back. I got what I want. And James is like, oh, no, you didn't. You didn't actually get what you want. Because do you know what we actually want? Every single one of us. You know what we actually want? Is we want relationships where we are heard where we're valued, where there's intimacy. That's what you really want. That's the real prize. But we get confused and we think that winning, you know, that, what, that boat is the prize or we think that, you know, getting that thing is the prize or winning that argument is the prize. And we get so confused. And James is trying to say, listen, if you keep living that way, then you're, gonna act, you're, not, you're never going to get the thing that you want. And that's a relationship. That's a relationship. Because if you're taking notes, here's like a little pithy statement for you to remember. The real prize is the person, not making your point. 
The real prize is your person. And if we, if you and I are so persistent on making our point and being right and, you know, being the one, you know, that gets to walk away from the conflict saying like, well, you know, they, they saw it my way. Then you know what we'll do if we do that long enough? We will lose the thing that we actually want. And that's the person. That's the person. How do we keep ourselves from not doing that? Um, three things I want you to try. All right. Um, three things I want you to try. And these if you actually have the courage and the guts to do even one of these three things, but if, if, you, if, you, if you had the guts to do two of these things, or if you were crazy enough, if you were weird enough to do all three of these things, it literally will transform how you have conflict with people at work, with people that you live with, um, whoever it is. These three things, listen, first is... Let me show you this picture. Here's something I want you to try. Oh, by the way, the three things. Something to try, something to ask, something to say. Something to try, something to ask, and something to say. This is the thing I want you to try, okay? Um, this is sort of how we tend to normally operate in our daily lives. It's stimulus and response. Stimulus and response. Something happens to us. Somebody says something to us. And based on our childhood or based off of just how, like the, um, you know, our past tendencies and histories, we will just tend to respond. And we'll respond in a certain way, just like that. Somebody says something, we respond. Here's an example from my house. I'm going to be vulnerable with you, so go easy on me. All right? But I have a feeling that you can relate. Here's what happens in my house often. And this gives you a window into some of my, like, some of my, my insecurities, just my past. Is we'll be sitting on the couch and Christy will say, say, you know what? I'm cold. I'm cold. And do you know what Christy's trying to say when she's saying that she's cold? You know what she's trying to say? She's trying to say, I'm cold. That's what she's trying to say. She's trying to say, I'm cold. But do you know when I hear Christy say, I'm cold, you know what I do? Is I filter it through my past. I filter it through my history. I filter it through my insecurities. I filter it through this like false identity that sometimes I get caught up in. And I take it personally. And what I do is I think that it's somehow an attack on me. Like, like I hear, when Christy says, I'm cold, what I hear is, is, why haven't you done anything about the heat in our house? Jerk husband that you are. That's what I hear when, I, when she says I'm cold. Now, think about that for a second. Do you know what that is? That's crazy. That's crazy that I would think that because she's just saying she's cold. But I take it personally. I react. There's that stimulus. I'm cold. I respond. I, it must be about me. It must be a deficiency in me. It's my fault somehow. I get all, I, then I get all defensive, and then I come back at her, and I'm like, why are you cold? I start to devalue how she feels. And I'm like, why are you cold? It's 70 degrees. Come on. And then she feels devalued. And then she comes back at me. And guess what it turned into? It turned into this whole ridiculous thing. Why? Because it's stimulus response. Stimulus response. Maybe you could even use the words past and future. There's your past. There's your future. Something happens and we just immediately just, just react and respond. And listen, here's what I want you to try. Here's what I want you to try. What if, what if in the middle of this, right, somebody says something to you, what if you were to pause? Right in that moment where you, somebody says something and you feel yourself like all responding, you know, well, she's just saying that because, or he's just doing that because you just, everything in you wants to just react and react. But what if, 
What if in that moment you just pause? What if you pause? Don't react yet. You just pause. And then here's the question I want you to ask. When you pause, here's the question you ask. Is what's going on here really? What's going on here really? Why am I so offended by what they said? Why, do, why did I just take that so personally? Why? Why am, I, my, why am I trying to avoid this conflict? Why? And if you were just to pause and just to ask that powerful question, what's going on here really? You know what you'll have time to do? You'll have time. You'll be able to respond in a different way. You'll be able to respond in a surprising way, surprising to you and surprising to the other person that knows you, that's expecting for you to blow up, expecting for you to run away, whatever it is. What if you were just to pause and ask, what's going on here really? You know what that gives you the chance to do? Gives you a chance to look in your past and say, why do I feel this way? I don't have to feel this way. See, that's how my parents responded. That's what was said to me in the past. But you know what? You know who I am? I'm a child of God. I'm a son and a daughter of the king. I don't have to, this isn't, and suddenly realize it's not about me. It's not about, it's, it's, I don't have to fix everything. Suddenly you see that your identity is rooted in Christ and not in your family of origin, you know, however messy that was. You start to be able to see your identity, who you truly are. And then you can respond completely differently. Like this, for instance, if Christy says, I'm cold. You know what I could have said? I pause instead of just react, instead of get all insecure about it. I could have just paused and said, baby, how could you be so cold when you're so hot? Yeah. See, that would have been a good line, right? That changes the whole conversation, right? Just changes everything. Why? Because I don't have to respond the way that I know. I can pause. I can say, why am I doing this really? And then here's something that I want you to try to say. Oh, man, this is a game changer. What if you pause, you ask the question, what's going on here really? And then what if you had the courage? What if you had the guts to in the middle of the conversation, right in the middle of everything, what if you said this? What if you were to say, do you know what the problem is here? Do you know what's really going on here? I'm just not getting my way. And I'm upset about it. What if you were to do that in the middle of a conflict? Do you know what the other person would do? They're about to like hurl a, you know, a fire, a fire uh, you know, bolt at you. And they're about to fire it. And you, you say, you know what's going on here? I'm just, I'm just not getting my way. And I'm upset. They're about to throw it. And they'd be like, uh. Well, no, duh, they would say. Like, yeah, I could have told you that. But you know what it does, though? It just, it's beautiful. It takes all that. And it gives the other person the freedom to say, Gosh, you know what? As long as we're being honest, I'm upset too because I'm just, not, I'm just not getting my way. What if two people were able to do that in the midst of conflict? Now, there's more to talk about, right? You got to get to the, the root of what's happening, what the conflict's about. But what if with our conflict, we were, you were able to do those things? You pause. You ask the question, what's really going on? And then you say, hey, you know what's going on here? I'm just not getting my way way. That would be a game changer. Lastly, James isn't done with us. He still has taken us to one more step. First, he's shown us the real problem, and then he's shown us the real prize. The real prize is the person not winning the argument. 
And then he says this. Listen, I'll start from the beginning. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have. So you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and you fight. And then he says this. You do not have because you do not ask God. To which we would say, what do you mean, James? Of course I ask God. You know, I'm in the middle of the conflict and I'm like, God, would you just change him, please? God, would you just change her? You know, God, if you just could help her be able to see this thing in her. If you, if she, God, if you just get her some counseling, you know, if, you know, if you, God, if you could just help him to sort of open up, you know, then everything would be fine. You know, God, I did pray. I prayed to you. And James is like, no, 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 no. I'm not talking about that. He goes, he goes, what if in the midst of our conflict, instead of all these desires that go unquenched, instead of having all of our desires and us not getting our way just get spilled out over everybody in our family and everybody's got to walk on eggshells around us because, you know, is dad going to be mad or is mom going to be mad because we're just not, you know, fitting into his mood right now. All that kind of crazy stuff that happens in so many family systems. What if instead of having all that stuff that's being sprayed out on everybody else, what if we had the courage to say, in the midst of a conflict, in the midst of just emotions, feelings, what if you took that stuff, all of that stuff that you're feeling, and what if you took it to the one person who can do anything about it? What if you took it to the one person who knows you better than you know you, that knows you better than your spouse knows you, that knows you better than your parents know you? What if you took it to the one person that knows you and you say, God, here's all of my desires. Here's all of my feelings. Can God handle your feelings, by the way? Everybody go like this. Oh, yeah, he's big. He created like everything. So he can handle your emotions. Sometimes we pray too nice of, a pr of prayers. Sometimes our prayers are too nice. Sometimes our prayers are, you know, God and heavenly you know, blessings and favor. You know, things are crashing down in your life. And it's like, oh, but I don't want to be a complainer. No. No, God is inviting us. Hey, all that stuff that you're just like trying to squeeze out of your wife and squeeze out of your husband and squeeze out of your kids, squeeze out, squeeze out of your roommates, squeeze out of your coach, squeeze out of, you know, the, the people around you, that you know, your employees. What if instead of taking it out on everybody else, what if, what if God is saying, no, I, I want you to bring that stuff to me. I want you to bring it to me, all of that stuff. I can handle it. Bring it to me. And we would say, wait, are you sure that's okay? And he's like, yes. You know what that's called? It's called a relationship. It's called a relationship. That's what he wants with us. He wants a relationship. You know how we have the power to do this? You know who did this? Jesus himself did this. I'm bringing the plane in for a landing here. I'm going to end with just a couple questions. But listen, Jesus did this. Jesus, the night before he goes to the cross, is got, he's got emotions, big feelings, as we like to call them in our house. He's got big feelings. And he's saying, God, if this cup can pass from me, if there's any other way, he's on the cross. He's screaming out in pain. People are, people are mocking him, the shame that just heaped on him. He's got all these feelings. You know what Jesus could have done with all of that? You know what? Jesus had every right to be angry and, and, and unleash his fury. And do you know who he could have rightfully just unleashed all of his fury onto? Us. All the people in the crowd. 
Jesus could have brought all that stuff and just had it spill out on everybody. But you know what Jesus did? Jesus on the cross is saying, Father, where have you gone? Why have you forsaken me? He takes all that and he takes it to his father. Because he's got a relationship. That same relationship that Jesus had with the father is available to you and me. He's asking you. He's calling, calling you. Please don't break up your life and break up your relationship. Just let it all just blow up just because you've got these desires and you're taking them to the wrong place and you're expressing them in ways that are just killing the intimacy in the relationship. God's saying, what if you just, what if you brought that stuff to me? Now there's more to talk about, but why don't you just bring that stuff to me first? I can handle it. I can, I can help. I can help. Three questions I want to leave you with. Three. Um, and then we'll be done. In fact, um, Jeff, why don't you come on up as I'm asking these, these three questions. Three questions. Um, the Bible says that um, we deceive ourselves if we're just hearers of the word and not doers. And so it would be a shame if we just sit here and we're like, oh, okay, that's good. I want to give you some things, some, just some questions. And I want you to really leave t- today just thinking about how, how are you going to do this? How are you going implement, to uh, implement this? Here's the three questions. Is first, is there a situation right now where you need to pause? Is there a situation going right now where you just need to pause? You need to pause. Number two, who in your life right now needs to hear you say, do you know what the problem is here? I'm just not getting my way. Who needs to hear that from you? For some of us, you just need to practice saying that out loud. Like maybe in, if when you're, next time you're in the car by yourself, just practice saying it. Because like you've never said those words ever in your life. And you don't even know how to do it. You don't even know how to be that raw and vulnerable with, with, with yourself, let alone somebody else. Maybe you just need to practice it on your own for a few times. But who in your life right now needs to hear you say, do you know what the problem is here? I, you know, there's so much of this angst and all this miscommunication and all this. It's just because I'm just not getting my way and I'm upset. That's the second question. And then the third question is, um, have you, are, are you willing to bring it to God? Do you know how to bring it to God? Do you need help knowing how to bring those things to God? That could be a great place to start. Hey, church, we're here for you. We're here for you. You don't know how to do this. If, if like your conflict, your communication and your relationships with your friends or roommates or your spouse, or if it's just killing you, you just feel like you're out of your league. Guess what? You got friends. Not in low places. You got friends in high places. You got friends. You got a church. You got people, you got people here who get it. I get it. It's hard. How can we help? How can we help? Let's do this well. Let's do this well. Why? Because healthy conflict, man, that'll make intimacy come alive. Unhealthy conflict, stimulus response, just living in the past, living where you were, your, your home growing up, whatever that looked like. You staying there, unhealthy conflict is going gonna, is gonna to destroy the intimacy that you so desperately want. That's the thing you want. You can get there. Jesus is here to help. And so are we.